Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the best of Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart. Let's roll. Uh, The Washington Capitals uh, win their first ever Stanley Cup. And, you know, Donald Trump promised uh, winning. He said, we're going to win so much you're going to get tired of it. And truth be told, think about it. The Washington Capitals have been in the National Hockey League for 44 years. They didn't win under any other president. And uh, Donald Trump is tweeting, congratulations to the Washington Capitals and their great captain, Alexander Ovechkin. So, of course, everyone is now, oh, of course you're congratulating him because he's Russian. No, he's congratulating him. He's the captain of the damn team, and he won the guns might too. And it's in Washington. (laughs) Exactly. It's down the street from the White House. Like, the fans are partying outside the White House. There's something to it. I don't know. You tell me, people. You tell me, people. Did the Washington Capitals win a Stanley Cup when that pervert creep Bill Clinton was in office? No, they didn't. Did the Washington Wizards or the Capitals win a championship when Barack Obama was there? No, they didn't. Nope. Nothing. Gerald Ford? Nope. Even Ronnie Reagan couldn't get the Capitals a championship. So congratulations to the Capitals. Yeah. Congratulations to you, Cam. And you, buddy. Well, not me. Well, you, I, you, I, I bet series on the, prices, didn't you? I bet on the Knights last night. No, but the series. The series. Yeah, whatever. I bet on the Knights last night. So the series didn't end in the way that I wanted it to. I wanted it to go six games. Uh, but, um, yeah, great uh, great stuff by the Washington Capitals. They were, they were. Uh, it's great for Alexander Ovechkin, not just him, Kuznetsov. And uh, Backstrom and all these guys that have been through so many postseason disappointments. And, you know, unlike uh, NBA players, Ovechkin didn't cry. And so, you know what, maybe I should join the Blackhawks. No, he stuck it out on his yeah. team and got maybe, it done. Maybe exactly. I should go to L.A. and play yeah. with the Kings since, you know, I can't win what here a, with what Washington. A, what, no, what a great point you bring up. He Nobody stayed. Ever, yeah, he fought through. Right he did. People mocked him for years. They call him, same they, as Kuznetsov. They call him an underachieving choker. And let's be real. And, and it wasn't really his fault over the years. You know, they didn't win. No. There were times when he didn't play great in a certain series. Uh, but the other guys disappeared, too. This is the first time. Look, Kuznetsov, like, really, he, he could have been the MVP. I agree, but Ovechkin. You know, it's Ovechkin. It's, a, it's almost like a lifetime achievement award, yeah. not just an MVP. I That's mean, without without Kuznetsov, Ovechkin's not winning. Kuznetsov I, had thirty-two freaking points in the playoffs, I believe yep. he was. Well, Ove- he's a leading point getter yeah, in Ovechkin, the NHL playoffs. Ovechkin letting goals, Kuznetsov, and points. Yeah. So, you know, but you know, it, it was it was a great uh, great performance, great run. It was it was a good hockey game actually last night, but. Washington were just the better team the entire series. Vegas were flat-footed. Vegas were out of gas. Washington were the faster, bigger, stronger, faster, better hockey team. Hell of a run for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And then after Washington uh, won, uh, we were treated uh, to um, to uh, a strip uh, a strip club uh, performance. Except not everybody saw it. So uh, if you're unaware of this uh, last night, and my boy Cam was unaware until I oh, just showed him the I'm glad, video. I'm glad you did. 
So uh, basically, when when the Capitals got the cup, and I didn't see this live, so I didn't yeah. notice this live, and I've got very good eyes. I would have noticed it live. I've got eyes like a vulture, like a hawk, yeah, 20, especially when it comes to breasts. Twenty twenty vision? It's amazing. We were just talking about breasts. They're the ultimate distraction and how I couldn't even, like, I was trying to do a podcast and Mar- Mariah Carey's breasts were on TV and I had to change the channel. Because <laughs> I just kept looking up and I was like, damn, she's got big no, breasts. They're very soft and hypnotizing. Hypnotizing. Yeah, they're very tan too. That's, that's another thing. Once you once they have a beautiful color and shade to them, well, it's Mar- even more. Mariah Carey's got like an orange hue about yeah. her. <laughs> orange hue. So, um, see, so yeah, after the Capitals won last night, so Ovechkin gets the cup. <laughs> Ovechkin gets the cup and he starts doing like the victory lap, and all of his teammates are behind him, and one guy behind him. So there's all these Capital fans, sort of like cheering. You know, they went down. You know, right to the glass yeah. level. So it was mostly Capitol fans, and they're all cheering, and they're face first against the glass. Yeah, yeah, and Ovechkin's got the cop, and he's cheering. And then some smoking hot chick um, decides to take her top down from her white dress, and she's got some massive melons, and uh, they're pressed up against the glass. And I don't know, who's number 50? I think it was 55. I'm not sure. One of the dudes on the Capitals is, like, right behind Ovechkin, Except he stops. He's like, oh, shit. He stops, and he looks, and he points at her, and he starts clapping. Like, he looks at her, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he sort of turns around to his teammates like, yo, yo, check this out. And they all sort of, like, they didn't stop, but they they all veer towards the corner. (laughs) It's like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is the biggest moment of your life. You just won the Stanley Cup. All right, like it just happened about three minutes ago. You have the cup. It's your opportunity to touch the cup and do a victory lap, and you get distracted by breasts. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. Like it's a good thing. Like there's not like hot chicks and like surgeries and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like you put a pair, like you know Taylor Stevens drops her top, and some you know Dr. Hibbert's performing open her. Oh, oh, geez, oh. Yeah, you're gonna put you're gonna put the sutures right through the heart. It's Ovechkin didn't care though. That was the be- the best thing about him is he's the kid. Hey, I that's why the- he's determined. I, exactly, he's the only guy he skated right be past all, the breast. I'd be all mad after too, and I'd be I'd be like telling my team, really guys, we just won the cup. Like, come on, you never seen a pair of tits before. Like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are doing. You know the story of the Washington Redskins. The Redskins send and the Redskins have very hot cheerleaders, and they send them out at the exact same time that the visiting team has their pregame uh, practice walkthrough. Great ploy. sort of warm up. Great ploy. So like when the guys are going out there, you know when you see, you know you see uh, Odell and he's wearing his headphones and he's not wearing a shirt and he's stretching, and he's doing his thing and all that. Yeah, the Redskins are like, all right, when the visiting team comes out to do their their walkthrough, you girls go out. And they're not in uniform yet. So they, they, they're dressed even more just with the whatever they want. It's like, you girls go out and do your stretching drills. So basically, you've got Washington Redskins cheerleaders like touching their toes, bending over and stuff like that. And I don't know, this might come as a, because people are like, oh, that won't distract a professional athlete. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like some 22-year-old kid from LSU is not getting distracted by this chick, right? She'd be like, damn, man, i never seen anything like that in Baton Rouge before. It seems like common sense, 
Why wouldn't every team do it? Why just the Redskins? It seems pretty simple. You, you know, I don't know out. why I know this. Yeah. You know, I'm not really especially proud of knowing this. It's a pretty perverted thing to actually be aware of. But okay, which NFL team's cheerleaders wear the less clothes? Like who? Who is like the the raciest? Over the top, like holy crap! Like you know, like you're walking into the Spearmint Rhino in Vegas strip club. Carolina? No. Normally, you're very good at these guesses. That's a horrible guess. Tampa Bay? Terrible guess. You know why? Carolina's the Bible Belt, where Jerry Richardson was a God fearing man, except when he, uh, you know, sort of sexually harassed his secretaries and everyone around him. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> but yeah, Carolina. No, no, you're right. Yeah, I'm no, not yeah. saying hot. No, the Carolina saying, Panther yeah. cheerleaders are hot. Tampa Bay? No. I just think they're little bucks outfits there. I'm trying to think. This one's still like, cool. it's actually, we're going by the least amount of, like, cloth. Yeah, yeah like, more, more skin. And, more and skin. multiple uniforms were compiled. So it wasn't just like, oh, once. Oh, shit, look what they're wearing once. It was like, no, no. There's a pattern here of they consistently have the skimpiest outfits. And they are known as generally the raciest cheerleader crew in the NFL. Cowboys? No, Cowboys kind of family. Raiders? The Cowboys, the Cowboys. Uh, it's not as it used no, to be. No, they, they used to be hot. It's on there. It's there. definitely not the Buffalo Jills. No. Baltimore Ravens? Buffalo Jills were uh, They were sweaters. <laughs> they were snow pants. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they, got their gray, they, they got their goose coat on. It's cold. Is it Ravens? It is not the Ravens. Damn it. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Philadelphia Eagles. This is the Philadelphia Eagles. Have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, cheerleaders wear the least amount of clothes consistently. How'd you figure this one out? Did you read it or you just uh, you did your own measurements? I did my own research. <laughs> All 32 NFL teams. No, there were actually complaints. There were complaints. Oh, wow. From families. Hey, what's yeah. going on Yeah, here? there were complaints basically that, you know. I brought my kid to the football game, and I understand you guys have cheerleaders, but, like, it's kind of over the top. Like, they're basically wearing, like, thongs and stuff. Like yeah, amazing. <laughs> Not only win the Super Bowl, but you get a show, too. Philadelphia's really picking it up. You'll notice, yeah, Philadelphia, too, right. like, even when it's a little cold, yeah. they still find ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nice hosiery. Like yeah, they'll, they'll like, wear no, like Buffalo. see-through. Yeah, like, yeah. Buffalo is like, all right, it's cold. All right, you girls just yeah. wear your stupid the winter jacket. Yeah, the Jills yeah, wear the jacket on. Track pants. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> track pants. It's like Philadelphia. They're like, all right, listen, we've made these green spandex pants for yeah, you to wear. You're wearing like them. They're, they've come up with. <laughs> like I told you, it's a strange thing that I'm aware of. So does anybody know? Does anybody listening know who this chick was in Vegas last night? My my random guess is that she's a puck bunny. With the caps? Yes, that's doing one of the players on the Capitals. Not a girlfriend, but sort of a, you know, a puck bunny type that's hanging like, around. Like Tom Wilson's giving her the, and, the yeah, look. And, yeah. you know, she said, you know what, if you guys win a cup, I'm going to flash you. Or, uh, you know, or is it random? I think it's Is ra- she a local Vegas? I you know? say random. Well, I'll tell you what. Like, um, her breasts were enhanced to a great degree in which, um, you know, like uh, her breast costs the same as like, you know, about 15 new hockey sticks. And hockey sticks are expensive. They are expensive. <laughs> so those new ones. She's not just a casual no. cap fan. No. 
She's a professional work. Done. This is already expensive been, work. This has already been done, though. This, she's trying to copy Taylor Stevens, who yeah, of Taylor, course went viral. Great call. She's the original, way before her time in Los Angeles. So yeah, this this girl like so I don't know. Is I want to find out the story. I need to know. Yeah. I need to know. Was it a random girl in Vegas that just hey, this is Vegas and she's a hot chick and she thought it'd be funny to do? Is she a puck bunny that's hooked up with one of the players? Um. Is she a local, I don't know, is she a porn star? Is she a stripper uh, in Vegas? Is she uh, Is she an escort who's trying to drum up business? <laughs> <laughs> She's doing, doing a great job. We need to know. I mean, all you NHL reporters, like, you know, on the beat here, why don't you do your damn job and tell us yeah. who this girl is? All I see is giggling woman flashes breasts. Capitals get boob flashed. An excited fan flashes Capitals. There's no names or no anything like this right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to dig, Marancy. No names or anything. Just fan with big breasts. No handles. Nothing. Interesting. Nope. Can't find anything. Yeah, no. It's just uh, it's not happening. We're gonna. Uh, we're yeah, gonna. No, get... you get to the bottom of it, though, Gabe. You, yes, like, yes. you, you like to solve these mysteries. I will. Uh, I will get to the bottom of this. And right now, I'm on the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame uh, message board because they are discussing this, and uh, somebody feels as though it was disrespectful to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the thing's been crapped in. People have done blow from it, and, and, and we're going to get uh, mad over a nice pair of breasts? Come on, everybody, relax. That's the problem with hockey guy. He gets a little bit too yeah, yeah. historical. It's like, hey, hockey guy, I get it. Like, you love the game. Oh, don't mess with the game. Like, loosen up. But the players relax. the players seem to enjoy yeah, oh, it. Yeah, the players who won the cup like the show. Julian Edelman on suspension. I don't know what happened, says Julian Edelman. <laughs> what am I taking? says, I'm very sorry. I don't know what happened. I've taken many, many tests, and obviously over the course uh, of my career, over the course of my career, nothing like this ever happened. I apologize to the Kraft family, my coaches, the teammates, and the fans. What about apologizing to your opponents that you've beaten while uh, playing on a performance enhancer? And uh, (laughs) your disdain for the Patriots, it's great. It's so good. You just just any time that, that team name comes up, I just look at you, the vein. Well, Edelman didn't mention the fact yeah. that Alex Guerrero, who is uh, Tom Brady's controversial trainer, released a statement about Edelman after the receiver suspension was announced. Due to the fact that Edelman had be re- re- been uh, rehabbing his ACL at Guerrero's TB12 facility this offseason. So, like I said, Tom Brady. TB's like, on it. Yeah, he has a school to teach people how to cheat. That's like the it's like it's institutionalized now, you know. Tom Brady, yeah, come to TB12 uh, facility and we'll hook you up with some steroids. Yeah, we'll mask it. The trainer was quick to distance himself from Edelman, let everyone know he was not the reason that the receiver was suspended. Well, now I believe that you are the reason because why would you release this statement if no one even thought of you? Exactly. Here at our facility, we take a natural, holistic, uh, and uh, appropriate, above all legal approach to training and recovery for all of our clients. Anyone who suggests otherwise is irresponsible and just plain wrong. I don't know. No one accused you of anything. You're the one denying. This is what they call in the legal uh, world. Um, it's like plausible deniability. It's uh, basically admission of guilt. It's sort of like if um, you know you spilt uh, you spilt uh, something. You're a kid. You spilt something, and uh, your parents come home, and the first thing you say to them is, 
you know, I didn't spill anything, <laughs> right? Then you're obviously you are alerting them to the fact that you know you probably just spilled something. Why would you? Uh, why would you say this? So this is a classic example of this. For this guy to come out and say, "Hey, I got nothing to do with this," <laughs> you do leads me to believe that somehow uh, you are behind this. Whatever people people just shrug their shoulders. People are desensitized to the New England Patriots uh, cheating uh, right now, but it really is systematic and institutionalized. And I, you know, I was kidding about it yesterday, but it's just fact. The coach is a cheater, a known repeated offender. Their quarterback. I don't think that it's the end of the world that he inflated footballs. But it was an advantage, and he blatantly lied about it. He smashed his cell phone. He lied about it continuously. He talked. Uh, he he. Nothing's under oath because it's not a real case. But you know his didn't, test. Didn't they have the conversation with the kids? Hey, what about the sneakers? His, what about all that? Remember the, all the stuff. The locker room guys. Yeah, his his testimony was basically when sending text to a locker room trainer who he really didn't know all that well were about um, deflating and did you lose the weight? Did you lose the weight? So the, the text message would come in on a Friday night or a Saturday before the game. You know, have the balls been deflated, so to speak? Tom Brady with a straight face said, I was asking him if he lost weight. He was on a diet. <laughs> which is actually, which is actually brilliant. Tom Brady's got a great lawyer. Like, he really does because it really is. Like, you know, that's the way the law works, basically. You just have to come up with something creative and stupid enough that, you know, okay, can we can we sell this right now? You know? Look, it's sort of like when Rob Ford. I just can't believe somebody's buying. Yeah, but that's, what, just, that's ridiculous. Like, when Rob Ford was, like, uh, got caught smoking crack, the yeah. former mayor of Toronto, he never should have admitted that it was crack. He should have just said, yes, it was a crack pipe, pipe when I was smoking tobacco. Exactly. No one knows. They can't prove otherwise. Right? You know, there's cam it's like a tapestry, right? Oh, I like that. Tapestry. Everything life is like a tapestry. The legal system's like a tapestry. You just need to paint a beautiful picture for them. <laughs> a believable enough picture, right? So that's where I'm saying with this. So it's like, all right, we're being accused of deflating footballs. The accusation is they have our phone records and they see that you sent him a message saying did you handle the weight yet? Did you lose the weight yet? What do we say to this? It's brilliant for someone to say, you're talking about a diet. Exactly. Buddy was on a diet. You're asking him, hey, did you lose? How's the weight coming? Wouldn't, but, you, wouldn't you think it'd be a stooge move, though? Like, and obviously, Tom Brady thinks 10 steps ahead to say, hey, guys, did you get did, did you, did you, why would you say to deflate the balls? Like, you got, if you're going to be this never, type yeah, of, but Tom Brady, yeah. Tom Brady actually did think ahead because he didn't say, did you deflate the footballs? That's what I'm saying. He just said, hey, did you, did you handle well, the weight yet? Did you lose the weight? But basically, if you're going to cheat and lie, be really good at it and have a, have a good story, which he does. And you know, the thing is, too, Tom Brady never in a million years ever expected that his phone records yeah. would get grabbed and subpoenaed in this. Yet he had to do it voluntarily. And, you know, it's so like I said, subpoena is a strong word. I mean, it was basically an arbitration sort of type of case more so. It wasn't in a court of law. But it's sort of like the special prosecutor. Brady was supposed to, if you're innocent, it was one of these deals. If you're innocent, then show us your phone, yep. text messages. Every, all, not all your text messages. Just your text messages that you made to Patriots staff that would sort of be involved in this. And right away, he got defensive about it. 
said, well, I'm not going to show you my phone. And, all right, I totally understand that if you're Tom Brady. You don't want to see, you know, text messages other and things in there. Yep, exactly. stuff like that. Yes. You know, you're in a hangover. I don't know. Maybe he's doing other unscrupulous things that is none of their business on his phone. But he was supposed to, in good faith, say, all right, listen, I, if you got nothing to hide, it's like, all right, listen, I've, uh, I've dealt with this trainer. I got nothing to hide. Yeah, these are all the times I've texted him. These are my phone records. To read them. Go ahead. Look. I gave you permission to look and see what I said to them. So he got all hissy-fitty about it and turned over a few text messages. They got a hold of a few of them, and then Tom Brady basically took a sledgehammer, literally and fitterably, and smashed his phones up. <laughs> and he pulled a Hillary Clinton, and he smashed, like, the, the chips into little yep. pieces. And then they asked him, they said, well, why did you just smash all your phones? And uh, he said, oh, because I just got a new phone, and I always smash my old phone, which is also... Somewhat of a plausible answer, but the circumstantial evidence just sort of adds up to, well, every time there's some sort of situation here, you coincidentally, your phone's gone, yep. the weight, the diet, you know, but it worked for Brady, but, you know, it worked, well, whatever, he got suspended, but, you know, it's gone, it's not the end of the world, etc. but you just add it up continuously, and the Patriots, it's repeated with these guys. It's repeated. You look at Julian Edelman, he looks like he's on steroids. Yeah, he does. He does. He plays like he's on steroids. He's all ripped up. Yep. He's a little dude. He's all ripped up. He's an overachiever. Well, do you remember him playing college football, which you do at Kent State as a quarterback? Yeah. He was not. He doesn't look like the Julietta Edelman we see now, Gabe. You, you talk about, obviously, some guys when they go from college to the pros. Yeah, they put on muscle, but he's a totally different man. He's a Everything about him is bigger, quicker. Everything. And it's not as if, though, listen, players cheat on every team, all right? There's yeah. people taking steroids on every team. But it just seems to me that the Patriots seem to cheat a hell of a lot more. Get away with a lot of stuff. Well, I don't know if they <laughs> get away with a lot of stuff. They get caught more than anyone else. They're not getting away with it because they get caught more than anyone else. So it's hard to say they get away with more than anything. They get nailed every year for something. And think about, well, I'm thinking if you're getting nailed for that stuff, how much are you actually doing then that's not getting nailed? That's kind of the kind of the situation, right? If you're only getting caught with this stuff, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. They're probably doing a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff. And the thing is, after the fact, the Patriots always do the same thing after. Like Edelman, I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? Listen, yeah. he's not – and the whole thing is, too, where he's full of it is – so he says, I don't know what happened, all right? So if you don't know what happened, then you're not releasing a statement saying, I'm very sorry – to the Kraft family, my coaches, and my yeah. teammates, you were saying right now, this is complete bullshit. I don't know what happened. I didn't take anything. See, it's just, it's he's classic. He's trying to have it both ways. So he, he sort of says, I don't know what happened. You know, I'm kind of innocent on this. But at the same point in time, I'm really, really, really sorry. sorry. Yeah. Well, you can't be he's, both. Yeah. Like, why would you be sorry if, you didn't do anything if wrong. you're innocent and this is a misunderstanding and a yeah. screw job? You would adamantly say, this is complete garbage. There's no way in hell that I failed a steroid test because I don't do steroids. Plain and simple. But instead, I don't know what happened. Oh, but I'm very, 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 very sorry. You know, that's, yeah. it's, you know I see through these, uh, these press releases, man. <laughs> People don't want to call them out for it. And it really hasn't been a big, that much of a big of a deal for some reason, this story. You know, it's just another athlete testing positive for steroids, but it's an athlete on one of the better teams that 
really have been aided and abetted by their cheating over the years. They don't beat the Rams if they don't steal their playbook. I don't know how they got the script, however they got it. No one will ever really know that, but they did. Seattle helped them in just making bad decisions down the stretch of that game. There's a reason why there's a reason why the Rams got shut out in the first half of that game and scored 17 points in the second half of that game. Because the New England Patriots knew the Rams first like 20, 30 plays. The Rams had the first like half scripted essentially. Like every play, do this, we're going to go this, we're going to throw here, we're going to bang, bang, bang. It was all designed. Most teams have the first like sort of drive scripted yeah. or some teams will sort of the first quarter scripted. But the Rams were like very detailed, right? So they – Great to show on turf team, very detailed. Yeah, so they had basically a, a script that they had. And I know I've had Ram players on the show that have told me this and I've had Patriot players that have admitted it all but knowing that – and, you know, you could just say that's good scouting. But basically, when Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce and stuff were lining up, the Patriot players were already where they were supposed to be before Bruce and Holt would get there. So basically, like, the Patriot <laughs> players were smart, and they knew, all right, they're going to run this play now, and when they run that play, it means Bruce is going on the inside here. So like the Isaac, Bruce, and Torrey, they started to catch on. Like, yeah. shit, these guys are like a step ahead of us here. Like, they know... And then the Rams, like, basically realized this late midway through the second quarter that, you know what, something's not right here. Like, they know know something. Like, they're – and the Rams actually thought it was, like, the signals because they were like, what the hell's going on? They're they're on top of us. They know everything we're doing, basically. And we got Kurt Warner, but they're a step ahead of us. And then they clued in, I think, that, all right, whatever, let's redo this. And it came out, bang, 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 bang. In the second came half, back. they started moving yep. the ball because the Patriots really didn't have the – they didn't have an advantage, right? Too bad they didn't figure it out earlier. You could say it's great coaching. I mean, look, the Minnesota Vikings said the same thing about the Philadelphia Eagles after that NFC Conference Championship game. They didn't accuse yeah. them of cheating. They just had the game plan. The Minnesota Viking players all said after. They said, man, we tip our cap to the Eagles and their defensive coordinator, um, Schwartz, Yep. All the Great Viking court. offensive players said the same thing. They said, man, these guys were so well coached. They knew what we were going to do. And they didn't accuse them of all that in our playbook. But they just said they knew our tendencies. They were like they knew every, every of our little tricks the Eagles took away. Like they talked about like little screen plays that work for the Vikings and stuff. The Eagles knew about it and said, all right, don't yep. bite on this. They're going to – you. they want the cornerback to bite. Just stand there. there. Don't move. And that's all it takes. Suddenly the cornerback doesn't over-pursue. He stands yep. there. Case Keenum's like, oh, shit. I always just dump this off to McKinnon, yep. but I can't because he's covered. And, I'll tell and you, it sort of unravels, and it's, it yes, gets in their head. You that's know? the thing. And you, when you're Case Keenum, who's had all that success, and that, and you find out those things are happening, you get rattled quick. He's not like he's some KG veteran that's been in tons of big situations before. This isn't the University of Houston. No, but this is that, where they, good that's coaching why that, comes yeah, into oh, play. Definitely, definitely. Good coaches can put their players in a position to win. Schwartz is a damn good coach. Listen, the players have to do the job, but that that's the whole thing. That's all the coach can do. When I look for when I judge a coach, did he put his players in a position to win in the NFL? I've talked about it with Gruden in Washington. Yep. Gruden's an awkward guy. He doesn't get along with people. He doesn't talk well to people. He's kind of an awkward man. But he's his schemes are freaking good. They are. So like guys are always open. You know what I mean? Like he's he's giving the guys like listen, 
you're going to get open. If you listen to me, you'll get open. You know, and if you're a quarterback, listen to me, you'll have three guys open. Some guys don't. Like the Buffalo Bills have always felt with Tyrod Taylor. They never put him in a position to succeed. They always told Tyrod Taylor, don't, um, don't run so much. Stay in the pocket and throw the football. Cam, he's six feet tall. If he's lucky, he's six feet. He can't read. Like, I'm not saying he's illiterate in real life, but he can't read defenses. No. He runs. Yeah. He's, it's like his telling, weapon is his feet. It's like telling Steph Curry, listen, stop shooting the ball so much and play, you know. Tyrod well, Taylor, so for all these years with the Bills, Ty, they were holding Tyrod back instead of just saying, all right, listen, he is who he is. Instead of, like, making him try to fit into our my offense, just let him run around for a couple of years. You, notice you know he, what I mean? You could say what you want about Pete Carroll, but the way the Russell Wilson situation, he makes all of those plays basically breaking three tackles, running around in circles, and finding Doug Baldwin open after yeah, that. Yeah, but that's not a good game plan. No, that's because they have a horrible offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks game plan is uh, Russell Wilson. They snap the ball, run yeah. for your run, life. Run, run. Yeah, run, run, run. <laughs> run, Russell. <laughs> I can't believe actually how effective he is for for the line that they put out there. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's amazing how good this guy is, man, because any other quarterback would be murdered in, with some of the situations he's been in. But I'm with you on Taylor. We'll 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 see what happens. You got to you got to let a guy be who he is. And he, he has a no one thing about Tyron they'll let Taylor. Him, they'll he, let he him. He can really throw the damn. He's got a nice little live arm too. Like he's I, got I, a good deep ball. He's got a good deep ball. But uh, his accuracy Jersey on short balls yes. are terrible. Yeah, I agree. No, his accuracy on deep passes are, are second good. to none. It's yes. amazing. Like very very strange for a quarterback that's sort of average. He can throw the deep he ball. That's perfectly. why. Uh, that's why he'll be a very good um, – he's a good fit with Cleveland with the receivers that they have. Yep. The Bills never really had any good deep down the f- down the field serious weapons. And uh, the Coleman kid out of Baylor is a real speed burner. Yep. So he can run vertical threats right down the field. Um, I think as well, look, they drafted a quarterback, right? So – and Baker Mayfield. Now, I don't – I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan, but the point being – Baker Mayfield's going to be the quarterback there sooner rather than later, I would imagine. But they don't need to hold Tyrod Taylor back. It's not like, oh, to teach Tyrod Taylor to change his style now. It's like, listen, Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback for a year here, maybe two max, but probably a year. Let's just let him run around, do crazy things, and throw bombs to Gordon and Coleman. He's got Jarvis Landry. There's a lot to like about the Cleveland. I agree. Their defense is getting better, too. But their win total of five and a half is a little high for me. Just because of the Hugh Jackson factor. And like I said, Cam, you know, the fact of the matter is, listen, I think LeBron James, and I'm tired of talking about LeBron James. I have, tr- I have like, uh, you know, like people have, like, uh, Trump fatigue and Russia collusion fatigue. Yes. Basically, like Stormy Daniels fatigue. fatigue. Yes. It's basically, they're calling it just sort of news fatigue. People are just worn out with this basic, like, same same narratives and same stuff on a daily basis for the last two years. But I'm worn out by LeBron James and him being better than Michael Jordan. Because, you know what, people? He's not! How many people are tuning into the game on Friday night? Less. I actually, you know, we, you know, everybody criticizes the National Hockey League all the time. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the NBA schedule is just so bizarre and there's no predictability to it that, all right, they played, you know, they stretched out the first couple of games. Now they stretch out the first three games, essentially. So now here we are on Wednesday night. 
at this point where we're conditioned to waiting, shouldn't the game just be Saturday night, Kim? Exactly. But Friday night is a complete wasteland on television. You know, trust me, I've been on TV. They tell you, hey, kid, you got a show on Friday night. Oh, you're like, oh, no, Friday. Yeah, it's like if you're Friday's on. Friday's death. Yeah, yeah, it's like if you're on at 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's during the football season, yes. it's a bad time slot, all right? Um, but, yeah, Friday night's like a, a way zone, and especially on Friday night. Like, think about it. All right, it's 3 nothing. People, hey, man, you know, you want to stay in and uh, you want to watch the basketball game? Ah, man, Not the really. The series is done, yeah. man. Sweep. Who cares? It's over. Um, you know, people, I don't know, but people with girlfriends and actually that have lives and uh, marriages and stuff like that and children. Go and do stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> you got to pick your spots about what you're yeah. going to watch. You can't always just say, screw off, honey. I'm watching a game. Good point. It's a great time to kick, take the kids to Great Wolf Lodge. You got yeah, that You got that time. You make yeah, them happy. Yeah, it's like, well, I brown ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, you're, you're a good father again. But, um, but the, you know. Yeah, I don't think uh, dropping a few brown ones, Cam, doesn't sound, uh, you know. Uh, sorry, Bills. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Greek. Uh, yeah, sorry. You know what I'm talking about. Dropping a couple of brown ones. you going to start taking dumps all over no, the place? No, no, no. So I mean, meaning hundreds, but yeah, sorry. I apologize. Uh, just big numbers, big numbers. That place is really expensive. Trust me. I went with my brother and his kids. So fr- rich. Friday, Friday night's a wasteland on television. Yeah. And they can stretch this in, until another week, actually, until uh, they can get yep. this into Monday night, in which it'll end on Monday. It'll go five games, uh, I think. I think Cleveland will win tonight. Golden State will win on Friday. And then Golden State will wrap it up um, on Monday night. Um, so, yeah, the Daily Mail uh, has a ranking. Worst cities to live in. Worst cities to live in in America. Can I guess? What do you think? Uh, what do you think the worst city to live in in America is? Dayton, Ohio. Detroit, Michigan. Mm. Detroit, Michigan. Poverty rate thirty five point seven percent. Well, you know how much the average home is worth in Detroit. I'm thinking about um, forty one thousand dollars. Pretty good. Forty three thousand five hundred. <laughs> Wow, I, I won that showcase, buddy. Yeah, you can buy you can buy a place. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I, I, won, I played blackjack. I told you, I went to Greektown Casino in Detroit. That's what the guy told me. He goes, listen, the guy went on a heater for like twenty, thirty thousand dollars. He said, yeah, I'm buying property now. That's the. It was so cheap, man. That's what he was talking about. Like, I can go buy a beautiful house. Detroit is famously dangerous. More than two thousand violent crimes for every one hundred thousand residents. That is uh, pretty uh, violent. The second worst city in America to live in, Flint, Michigan. Oh, Flint's got a water problem. 44.5% poverty rate. They had a real problem, Renzi. You remember with the water? They, like, it was it's just the and Also very, very uh, violent, uh, 1,587 incidents per 100,000 residents. The third most dangerous city, St. Louis. St. Louis is rough. St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> And then uh, number four checks in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, Las Vegas, Nevada is actually the most violent city in per, America. Per capita? People don't realize uh, it, but uh, Vegas is a very dangerous and uh, insane uh, city. The Strip is very safe. So for yeah. tourists, they do a good job, uh, obviously, for tourists. I know there was the incident, but, you know, that, that was just sort of an anomaly. But... Vegas is safe for tourists, but as they always say, like if you're on the strip, man, 
Just don't turn left and don't turn right. <laughs> yeah, stay straight. That's the, like, don't turn left off the strip and don't turn right off the strip, and you'll be all right. Exactly. That's like the advice. Uh, it's great advice. Like, I live there, and even taxi drivers are like, yeah, yeah, I don't turn left here. Yeah. <laughs> you lived in a beautiful building, too, but the hood there around there? I man, lived in a nuts. beautiful building in yeah. a savage neighborhood. That's correct. That's the thing. And once once people are walking around with a lot of money in their pockets. I had too. somebody mm. I had somebody tweet me today that lives in Los Angeles actually and they were like, Yeah, man, I didn't like walking around in your neighborhood. And in fact, they got a great picture of Las Vegas here. Uh in this uh in the report. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, great shot. And there's my building. It's that that building is beautiful. Man, that's a nice building. But you said it right by the stratosphere, that's danger alley right there. There's a like lot I of lived, danger. I lived in a condo tower in Vegas that's so nice, like and big that it's it's in all the shots basically. Yeah. Like you see it on CSI. That's the that's when it's you the know money shot. Yeah, that's one uh it used to freak me out though. I'd be watching uh I'd be watching CSI in Vegas. <laughs> CSI Vegas in Vegas yeah. and they have that shot. Hey, and it's my building? My, my place. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, I wonder if I was, like, on a balcony at the time when I did that. <laughs> no, uh, no you, got, you, you bring up a good point about Vegas. Don't, don't wander there. It's a big mistake. Number five is Memphis. Memphis, really? Yeah. Number five. Number six, Cleveland. This isn't the most violent. These are the worst places to live, supposedly. Vegas is not the worst place to live. You can't tell me that Vegas equates no. with Flint, Flint, Michigan. Or even, you know, Memphis no. is pretty poverty-stricken. Wilmington, Delaware. That's surprising. Albany, Georgia. Albany, Georgia does kind of look like a come down here. You know, get downtown Albany, Georgia. I spent some time around uh, in uh, Dalton, Georgia. Here's Springfield, Missouri. Springfield. Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, yeah, I went to Baltimore. Baltimore's the 10th uh, worst. (laughs) The 50 worst cities. Great casino. I'm sure right now there's mayors, like, freaking out today. What the hell are you guys going on? What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, Las Vegas isn't the fourth worst No, this is just for violence and stuff. It's not for worse. Yeah, it's basically overall. Basically, they're looking at uh, crime rate and poverty rate, unemployment rates. Yeah. There's a lot of people unemployed in those places. I'll tell you about Baltimore, though, man. I was there. It's it's that's a that's another place. It's smooth for a while, and then man, things change quick. Baltimore's crazy. Great casino, though. The guy I was with, I told you, he hit it huge, huge in like, roulette, come on. and they shook him down at the end because they didn't like. Oh my God, the guy won like seven like, grand. Compton is ranked twenty-two. Really? Yeah. You're telling me that it's worse in Compton than it is in Wilmington, Delaware? I don't believe that. <laughs> And I've been to Compton. <laughs> Although, actually, you know what? I would rather live in Compton than Flint, Michigan. Oh, Flint, Michigan's rough. I think I'd rather live in Compton than Detroit, too. Agreed. Compton's not that bad, actually. <laughs> Bartolo Colon. Once in a while, he'll have that. Uh, listen, he nearly had a no-hitter once. And early in the season, his first couple of starts, they weren't too terrible. But now that the weather's starting to yeah. warm up. Coming down to earth, buddy. Those uh, balls are sailing out now. He's 45 years old. Yeah. So, you know, the adrenaline wears off. We saw the same thing last year. Last year, Bartolo Colon pitched pretty well to start the season, and everyone marvels, oh, my God, he's 44 years old. And, um, and then what happened? He got raked so hard he wanted to retire. 
And uh, he went to the manager of, of Minnesota, and he said, listen, I'm, I'm done. I can't, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be out here if I'm getting hit every day like this. And uh, they said, no, no, we need you. We need you. Hang in here. So he did, and uh, here he is again. It's amazing. No, this guy's a freak of nature. I and can't believe I, he's I'm never going to count him out. <laughs> no, no, he'll he'll Until he's retired. Until he, he's like Jason from these, like, Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> Coming up from the swamp. Yeah, like, you know, when they're like, oh, he's dead now. It's uh, like, he's no, not he's dead. Not. He's, he's alive. alive. All you did is push him off the canoe into the water. <laughs> you think that killed him? <laughs> the canoe into the water. No, that's true. Like, they're like... Jason or like Freddy Krueger yeah. or something. Yeah. He's a diabolical, um, diabolical maniac that can step uh, through uh, fantasy and reality into your dreams and into reality. And uh, like people push him off a bridge yeah. and they're like, all right, it's yeah. over. He's yeah. gone. He's back. That's like Bartolo Colon. <laughs> yeah, Until Bartolo Colon is like that guy in Breaking Bad in the wheelchair that got blown up by Gus. Until Bartolo Colon is in a wheelchair and he's on like a dialysis and he can't talk. <laughs> I will never assume that Bartolo Colon is retired. It's true. Oh, he's amazing, man. I, I love the guy. He, 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 honestly, what he's doing is sick. And think about this, Marenzi. He's not a, like a lean guy with the, you can grate cheese on the app. He's a big, big man well, that, who but, gets things done. He's a freak. But that's what helps. His big yes. ass and hips. Yep. It's part part of the delivery. He uses it yes. to his advantage, right? Lower, strong lower half. But the, the real reason that Bartolo Colon has prolonged his career the way that he has is due to one simple reason, and that's uh, stem, stem cells. cells? Yeah. Stem cell surgery in which he went to the Dominican Republic and he got a surgery done that no one had ever even heard of before. Major League Baseball subsequently has made it illegal but he did it before it was even on the books. No one ever really thought of to do this before. So not only is he a good pitcher, he's very, very smart. Yeah, cunning. Somebody else did it in Major League Baseball, too, after, but that's when they, they, they shut it down because that's a beautiful thing about uh, the Dominican Republic. Oh, they'll do anything down there. Well, steroids are legal. Steroids are not uh, illegal. Same in Costa Rica. Most, uh, most of uh, Central American countries, like if you walk in – you can walk into a store and say, yeah, give me some Nandrolone. I want to get jacked up for my girlfriend. They'll give it to you. Here you go, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's like, buying, it aspirin. It's like buying aspirin. <laughs> like, you don't need a reason or anything like that. It's a very macho culture. That's not... They're encouraging people. Here's your, here's your pills, sir. That's awesome. It's like my, uh, I know somebody, uh, I know somebody that went to the NFL Combine and, uh, uh, NFL uh, NFL team told him after, listen, you got to get bigger. And he was already pretty big, but they were basically stating, listen, yeah, if you juice up and get really, really a little bit bigger, then you'll have a shot, yeah, kid. Yeah. That that's what it came down to. See, so, yeah, Bartolo Colon, man, he's got, uh, he's got, he's like Keith Richards, man. Bartolo Colon's got like a 17 year old yeah. teenage boy from the Dominican Republic's arm. He's like the bionic arm, you know, it's like the bionic arm, bionic man. Type of type of deal. So yeah, Major League Baseball stated after, yeah, you can't get this uh, stem cell. No, no stem cells, well, yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah, it's not steroids. It's a surgery. It is. They have Tommy John surgery. They have other surgeries. Just I guess with stem cell, it sounds like uh, yeah. When you're talking about stem cells, it sounds basically Marenzi. You know, it sounds a lot uh, more shady than it really is, probably. But hey, I don't want to. I'm for it. Anytime I say I don't want to get political, I do. 
<laughs> I don't want to, but I always say I don't want to yeah. get political, but then I say something political. But the whole stem cell stuff seems to um, it seems to be a, a very, very sort of um, moral debate. Um, like the religious yeah. right don't no, like no, no, they're not. Yes, they exactly. don't like stem cell no. resurgeries. No. They feel as though that um, like we're playing God, mm-hmm. right? That we're we're playing God. Yet I don't. You know, I would ask these people that people die because they don't get stem cell. That's true. I mean, we could save lives. And look, Bartola Cologne yeah. is forty five years old and pitching, pitching MLB baseball. Look at the miracles that could be done. <laughs> And he got this done on a shack on a beach in a in Punta Cana. All right? Like, imagine, like, the world's best hospitals oh, yeah. being able to use, like, stem cells, et cetera, more uh, vastly than they do. I'm talking about specifically in the United States. But it's funny. People will argue, well, you can't play God and it's just wrong. But these are the same people that believe in a death penalty. When you're killing someone and you put them in an electric chair, you are playing God. Whether the problem, and listen, I'm for the death penalty in certain yeah, instances. For sure, I am too. I'm not like anti-death penalty, but we play God all the time. It's all we do is play God. Yes. <laughs> no, man, I'm telling you, you're, bringing, you're, you're actually blowing my, my, my mind. You're bringing up a lot of good points with this stuff. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah, well, it's just the, the irony. Oh, yeah. we can't, you know what, it's too it's too invasive. We're, we're, we're playing God. What do you mean we're playing God? It's all we do is play God, Right. I mean, getting deeper, if you tell a girl you can't have an abortion, aren't you playing God with yeah, her oh, and telling her what you can't do with damn, her body? Damn right you are. You <laughs> can't do that. It sort of goes back to the national yeah. anthem stuff, Cam. You'll realize, <laughs> you'll realize that everybody believes in complete freedom until, until, they, don't like, you? Yeah. until they don't like what you're doing. Exactly. You know, Ice-T said it best. Freedom of speech is watch what you say. That That's what it always comes down to. And the moral of the story is... Uh, you should get some stem cell surgery, Cam. It sounds great. Go to the Dominican <laughs> Republic. Honestly, I could really, really get a boost think, of that stuff. I think I would. If, if I could add like 10, 15 years, I'll go to the same oh, shack out there. You're damn right you will. Like, I'm thinking about this right now. Like, I'm looking at Bartolo Colon as an inspiration. Well, work for Keith Richards. And uh, the Golden State Warriors knew that uh, there'd be sacrifices that had to be made if you want to be an NBA champion. Sometimes, you know. You have to go to uh, terrible places. <laughs> so they have to go to Cleveland, all right? I'll never forget uh, a couple of years ago when uh, San Antonio were playing Utah uh, in the playoffs, and they asked the Golden Normally, whenever they ask teams, Cam, who do you want to play in the playoffs? The stock answer always doesn't matter to us. Like, no one ever we'll says. play anybody. Yeah, and the Golden State Warriors were asked, and they were like, oh, oh we hope San Antonio beats them. And it was sort of like, you know, like, ooh, like they're trash-talking or something because San Antonio are easier to beat. And Clay Thompson's like, I really don't want to have to go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> Boring. Yeah, and Trey, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson were like, yeah, we asked, uh, we asked Steve Kerr that if we play in the playoffs in Utah, can we stay in Vegas? <laughs> like, like, like Clay Thompson's like I told him I'll fly in, man. Like, can I like stay in a hotel in Vegas? Wow, Utah and- is that bad? Wow, that's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> but it basically goes to show how bored the Golden State Warriors are with winning. Exactly. It's like now they're picking the spots. It's like, oh man, that hotel sucks. But think about it, Cam. It's like anything. If you've been around the league a long time, you've been around. 
You're staying in the same hotels. You're staying in the same places. Some places you wouldn't like. Been there, done that. You're like, God, the food sucks in Salt Lake. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way they're thinking. They're in San Francisco. These guys are millionaires eating... You know, five-star restaurants and stuff. Gabe, I'm not like the ordinary man, though, and I know you're this, kind of the same way as me. Those really fancy hotels with the small bed, no, that's not for me. I'm I, an extraordinary I, man. I, I am, <laughs> I'm a kitchenette man. I, like, I want to have fridge, kitchenette. I basically want it to be a home away from home with a gigantic bed. I'd rather stay at a, a, no, a lesser me. hotel. Not me. If I was an NBA player, I'd be staying in, like, the seven-star hotel. And just room serving us it all day. Yeah, that's NBA. Yeah, yeah. You know, they got more more money, so you know what I'm saying. When I like to economize, I like to really go cheap. Yeah, NBA players don't need to economize. I know it's it's true. It's it's the uh, it's the beautiful <laughs> the opposite, thing about yes. being a a uh, hundred millionaire kid. Yeah, I know. Really wish I could get there. Listen to Game Time Decisions every Monday through Friday from four to six p.m. Eastern. 